From coast to coast and around the world, this is Kaleidoscope, America's most exciting radio magazine. Stay tuned for more. you are back with us this is part two of the interview we did with the wonderful and gracious Jane Ann Krentz also known as Jane Castle also known as Amanda Quick on the business of books writing books publishing books things like that we're going to get back to her in the second part of that interview but first we're going to pay some bills so we'll be back to you right after this Another great place to use Visa. They say that on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, the brioches are so delicate and the pain au chocolat so delicious, you'd almost think you were at Pike Place Market in Seattle, where you'll find Le Panier, one of the finest French bakeries around. But if you want a taste of Le Panier's world-class casse-croûte, bring a discerning palate and your Visa card. Because at Le Panier, they take baking to an art, but they don't take American Express. Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. Double your pleasure, double your fun. That's the statement of the great mint. Double mint gum. Double your sentiment, your merriment. Double your moment of fun. Double your delight mint with the right mint. Hello and welcome to part two of um, the Amanda, I want to say Amanda Quick or <laughs> Jane Ann Krentz or Jane Castle. Uh, we're talking about the business of writing, the business of getting your book published, the business of getting your name and your book out there. Uh, in part one, we talked about uh, her new book, which is When All the Girls Have Gone. And those of you who have your various uh, sources for books can usually get them through there. I'm not going to mention any names in particular because I don't know who we're aligned with and who we aren't. So we're not going to say that. But if you have a favorite bookseller, I'm sure they have the book. Uh, Jane, let me tell you, ask a little bit about uh, a ch something that you alluded to at the end of the last program. You were telling us that Amanda Quick who is largely or was largely based in England and a lot of people have come to enjoy the adventures happening in the modern world have uh, been told that they're going to be moving the modern world even closer to us. We're moving it to 1930 and we're putting it in Los Angeles, yes? We are. Amanda Quick is uh, leaving the UK, leaving London and the 19th century and moving into the mid 1930s, a little on the other side of between 35, 37, 1930, about a golden age of Hollywood, uh, when all the studios had so much power and it was 
all the um, gossip magazines were such hot ticket items, you know. And it was it was just a, a lot of fun to to move my whole world and invent new characters who fit into that era. Is there a reason why? I mean, I, you you said you you enjoyed uh, the the Hollywood era, but is there a reason why you put went there as opposed to uh, you know say twenties or, or yeah that kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, I think the thirties were a particularly exciting time in terms of what was happening with women's roles in our society. So it it lends itself to um, you know think Amelia Earhart. You know, it, it lends itself to a very adventurous sort of female who was starting to explore the world in ways that had never been open to the, uh, her before. And the 1930s didn't really interest me on the East Coast for some reason, but on the West Coast, it was a whole different ballgame. I mean, it was a very unusual atmosphere going on around Hollywood and Santa Barbara and, uh, you know, that whole, whole coastal thing, which later had such an influence on movies, of course, but also on, on just the whole development of the West Coast. So it, it just offered a lot of fresh ideas. It was still a time when you could have what I sort of work, always work, all my characters are essentially what you would call amateur sleuths, or by that I mean they're not using high-tech forensics to solve crimes. They're, the crimes are more intimate, more personal, and the solutions are, are found through working out relationships and figuring out, you know, what was going on behind the scenes rather than fingerprints and DNA and that kind of thing. So the 1930s is still an era when you can use that. About the only thing they had going in those days was the, um, the fingerprints. That was about it. So uh, it, gives, it gives a lot of scope to my kind of crime-solving characters, I guess you would say, in my romantic suspense novels. Now, without any spoilers, can you give us an idea on what's happening? Yeah, sure. Carolyn is on the run from a killer on the East Coast. She makes a trip across country, picks up little Route 66 in Chicago, and follows it all the way to Hollywood. Uh-huh. Ends up as a columnist or a reporter for one of the Hollywood celebrity magazines. And then people start dying. <laughs> uh, of course they do. <laughs> of course. Um, and in that, the, um, I actually, the setting isn't so much Hollywood, although we visit Hollywood from time to time. The setting is actually a kind of a fake version of Santa Barbara. Ah. A place where the people from Hollywood might go to play, for example. But oh. <laughs> oh. I didn't, I didn't want to get in trouble with Santa Barbara, so I, uh, I gave it a, a, a fictional name. But, uh, but that's the setting, and there's a, a hotel at the center, and the crimes and the stories kind of come and go from that hotel. Well, of course, we know we know Hollywood stars never did that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, my goodness. It was amazing what they got up to. Oh, my gosh, my. I was, I'm amazed. <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing. Now, we talked a little bit of, about being a writer and working within established genres. And, you know, you have, of course, unbashedly made uh, a lot of, of uh, what's the word I want to use, a lot of, of successful... Um, inroads, being a best-selling author many times over, with the genres that you work with, uh, and a lot of the genres that you work with are being stretched because you are being stretched yourself emotionally, and you're going into different different uh, strategies and different pathways yourself. Is this just part of everything else that's happening, or did you say to yourself, "Ah, oh, what the heck"? One day. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, I didn't start out thinking I could write better than anybody else. I never had that illusion. I think what happened to me, I know what happened to me, and I think it happens to a lot of other writers, is that you love a certain kind of story. And in my case, you know, I grew up on Nancy Drew, so I was probably doomed to write romantic suspense. Love a certain kind of story, and there just comes a time when you want to tell it your way. It isn't that you think you can do it better than Rick Francis or anybody else. It's just um, the need to tell the story your way. If that bug doesn't bite, then you go happily reading for the rest of your life and you never have to worry about it. But if that bug bites, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're hooked. You can't <laughs> give it up. It's a, I always say writing for me is an addiction, you know, and like any good addiction, it's got a dark side and a light side. And, um, the dark side is that it can take over your life if you let it. Mm. I'm I'm curious about this because I know that there are people who are listening in who are uh, writing now or who are you know hoping to be published soon or uh, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, mm-hmm. I would how- say that if you can quit, you will quit. Ah. And the def- definition of a writer is the one who can't quit. That's. I don't care if you ever sell a book; you're still going to be a writer because you can't stop. Mm-hmm. It's a very compelling thing and um, a compelling force if it hits. Now, is there, speaking of writing now, and you mentioned several times, and so have I, the fact that you do write under uh, different pseudonyms and that you've done it you know, pretty, much, uh, yeah. pretty much forever. I would just like to say to any would-be writers or aspiring writers or working writers at the start of your career who might be listening, don't do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not want three names, people. Believe me. Okay, I never, I, I never say that. Then I'm sorry, I didn't mention. You at all. <laughs> three, I, I, three names means three times the promotion. That's the problem. It means it means three different audiences, and then trying to get them to cross over. It's not that easy. It's, you know, it's never been a secret that I am Jane Ann Krentz, and I write as Amanda Quick, and I write as Jane Castle. There's no secret about it. It's on the files on the back of all the books. But people don't tend to remember three different names. I don't care how much they love you under one name. So so my advice is, in this day and age, when so much of the responsibility for the promotion of your book and the marketing of your book will be placed on you, the writer, uh, don't make life hard for yourself with a lot of pen names. Now, speaking of that, since you have made so much uh, of of the work that you did under Amanda Quick, and you do have so many followers, including myself, uh, who who follow that? Uh, what are those people, especially ones who've been waiting for uh, more of the Amanda Quick and more of the um, the what's the word I want to look for? Um, and I'm looking at my notes here to to pull it up exactly so that I get it right. The the ar- no the arcane work. Oh, the arcane. Yeah, and things like that. And you have you've been away from that for a while. Uh, are you coming back to that? And if so, are you afraid of losing the Amanda Quick people who are so closely tied to the arcane? Well, here's the problem. I I love my readers. I'm deeply appreciative of anybody who will pick up one of my books and read it. But in a way, I just can't write for them. I have to write for the book for myself. And then I just have to hope like heck that somebody else can get into that story with me. I think if you try to write to a market that you think is that you think exists, um, you doom yourself before you even start because the only way you, as a writer, you really draw any power and get any power into your books 
is if you yourself are excited by the story. Then I think the magic is that if you're excited about it, a lot of people will also be excited. That excitement is contagious. And it's what we call the, basically it's all tied up what we call the author's voice. You either respond to an author's voice or you don't. And even if it's the best written book in the world, the best plotted book in the world, if you don't respond to that author's voice, you probably won't pick up his next book or her next book. Okay. But if you do, you'll forgive a heck of a lot because you're in, you're in it for the storytelling voice. And that's what makes so many, um, that's why we have so many different writers, so many different books, and no two writers sound alike. No two writers' voice sounds the same. Now, staying on this track, since I'm running running out of time once again, this is this always happens to me. Whenever I get somebody I really want to talk to, I have no time to talk to them. But uh, st- staying with that track, we're talking about Arcane. We're talking about Fallon Jones, J&J, and all of that stuff that you haven't been doing for a while. And even the, the last book that was in the, quote, modern world, uh, which I think was called, let me see, Otherwise Engaged, didn't really have a parasitic angle to it. Are you going to be doing anything in that genre? I know that you do write as Jane Castle, but are you doing anything more with this kind of arcane, uh, what used to be Amanda Quick genre anymore, or are you staying with normal, Right. I think it will come back because I come and go from these things just as readers do, and right now my interest is in... Um, other aspects of the world building, but there's always been an element, if you go even back to my earliest books, there's always been a, a psychic vibe somewhere on some level, mm-hmm. and that will show up again, simply because it's part of what fascinates me about people in general. Mm-hmm. I think the psychic thing works for a lot of people, even if they never got into vampires and werewolves, which I never went down that road. <laughs> but I, I, the psychic thing is, is different because it's just one step beyond intuition and we all think we've got some intuition. So it's, it's an easy segue, it's an easy, it's an easy world to step into for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Also including in, me. Yeah, <laughs> including me. Yeah, also, also in that, as in the last few books, uh, which were of that bent, uh, I'm thinking of things now like uh, Dream Eyes, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, White Lies, that sort of thing. You also incorporated, and of course in the Fallon Jones, uh, aspects as well. Of Scargill Cove, you, you incorporated uh, other psychics into A lot of people don't consider uh, psychics one thing or another. You have you know, Latino psychics, you have um, African-American psychics. And, that. and those are starting to come to fruition, I think, a bit in some of the other fun. And since you've stopped that genre, some of my friends who are saying things like, what happened to that? <laughs> are asking me questions. So I'm going to ask you the questions so that they listen to your answer and I don't have to try and figure it out. <laughs> Okay, the psychic thing will come back, and in the meanwhile, it's there front and center in all my Jane Castle books, my futuristic Jane Castle books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're really hungry for that, and if you don't mind um, dust bunnies, then I, I recommend you to my Jane Castle stories set on the world of harmony. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, then we're going to look for that, uh, hopefully more minority characters in those as well. And... I am telling you all, if you haven't heard already, you haven't heard, you didn't want, listen, listen to us last week and you're not listening to us now, but we are speaking with uh, Jane Ann Krentz, uh, also Jane Castle, also Amanda Quick, and we've been enjoying her books for a long time. We are going to be looking, of course, for When All the Girls Have Gone, 
and several other things that are coming up soon. And we thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and I remind you to believe in yourself if you don't, no one else will. Jane Krenz, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.